Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. We know that this episode today is going to bless your life and take your vision to the next level. We hope that you can share it, subscribe, and be a part of what God is doing right here at Carleton University, around the world, at Campus Rush. And say, Holy Spirit, find space in my heart. Holy Spirit, I invite you to speak to me a now word that will change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's just get rowdy because we can. And let's just let the devil know that we're excited to be in his presence. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So good. Hey, um, I'm pumped to be here tonight. I'm starting off a series called uh, The Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. Starting off a series called The Good Shepherd. Someone shout The Good Shepherd. And out of this series, um, I want to, we're doing a collection of talks, and this first one we're going to speak on tonight is, is entitled Crushed on Purpose. Crushed on Purpose. Crushed on Purpose. Help me minister to your neighbor and say, Crushed on Purpose. Just talk to them. Say, You're, you've been crushed on purpose. You, you've been crushed on purpose. Um, I may not be talking to everybody in this room, but I don't know. Um, have you ever had that person or that thing that just really annoys you? There's a person that really annoys you? Think about it. Think about it. Okay, not too long, but think about it. <laughs> Do you know somebody who really, like, he ticks you off or the person used to tick you off or may still tick you off? Something like that? Okay, let me see if I raise your hands. Let me see who I'm working with. Okay, all right. Okay. I have some real people in the building. Some people who want to say what it is. Uh, my ninth grade of high school, I had a teacher. Um, I know her name. I'm not going to say her name so I can protect her. <clears throat> and, um, so what happened was in the ninth grade, I had math class. And this teacher, I don't know what I did to this teacher. She found every possible way to get under every bit of skin that I have. I mean, she literally made my life a living hell in her class. I don't know what I've done. I don't know what happened. I just, I just knew that she had something out for me, and I don't know why, but I just knew that this lady just didn't like me, and I mean, I would go to office hours. I would go and sit down, and it's like whatever I did just wasn't good enough for her, and whatever I tried to do, just, it, just, it just didn't add up to whatever she wanted me to do, and so... I, I, it's, it's actually funny because it's only today that I remembered it. And I said, man, this lady literally did not like me. And I began to ask God. I said, God, why didn't this lady like me? And God just whispered to me, say, son, there's some people who will never, ever, ever like you just because of who you are and what you have. And I said, God, really, like, this is not what I'm trying to hear. I'm trying to say that maybe, you know, uh, she, she saw something about my exterior or, you know, she was upset about something that I did at school. He said, no, the only reason why she had a problem with you was because she saw the greatness in you. And that's when it occurred to me that there are some people who will never, ever, ever like you and you have no explanation for it. For those type of people, I want you to just do a quick one. Just give them a wave and say, God bless you. You know why? Because you will never, ever, ever, even if you turn yellow, blue, if you turn indigo, if you turn whatever color, you'll never, ever be able to please them. Because the way that God fashioned everybody is that God placed greatness on the inside of every single individual that is sitting right here. I want you to shout after me and say, I have greatness on the inside. The way that God fashioned everybody is that God placed giftings. He placed abilities on the inside of everybody that he created. 
And there's some people, for whatever reason, will never be able to understand the reason by which God has endowed you with a gift. That's, that's, just, that's just the truth of it. You see, in the Bible, when we go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, you, you find an interesting scripture. You find a woman uh, who literally just continued to be provoked by a woman called Penina. Let's go to that scripture, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel says it like this. There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf, in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Joraham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf of Ephraim. Verse 2. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Verse 3. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. It says the priests of the Lord at the time were two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. Verse 4. On, on the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. Verse 5. And though he loved Hannah, though he loved her, I want you to underline that. Though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Let's go to the next verse. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not eat at all. Verse 8. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Oh, Elkanah. Oh, Elkanah. Only if you knew what God was getting ready to do in the life of Hannah. You see, there's three main elements I want us to take from this scripture. I just want us to lay a foundation. Then I really want to pour out of my spirit and begin to minister. Um, three main elements. The first one to, to, to note is very simple. Is that... Hannah, when it comes to the elements of Hannah, Hannah, of course, was provoked by Penina. Of course, Elkanah had two wives. You know the story. And his other wife had children. Hannah did not have any children. So Penina, because Hannah didn't have anything, began to provoke her. Number two, the second thing you have to understand is that Hannah had a husband who had misplaced the love. Hannah was looking for a man to be able to say, don't worry, God is going to be able to provide. But instead of him saying, God is going to provide for you, Elkanah would say, you don't need children when you have me. The third thing to understand from this is that God had closed her womb. God had closed her womb. I just want to pause right there. It's so interesting that sometimes in life when we're moving around, we really believe that everything that happens to us that's negative is the devil. I, I, I was talking to my dad the other day, and my dad's like, Kofi, you know what we do as believers is that we put too much credit and place too much credit on the devil. There's some things the devil doesn't do. There's some things that God deliberately does to show us who he is. The scripture has it in the Gospels where it begins to talk about the man who was made blind from birth. The disciples ask God, why was this made, man made blind? Jesus says, so that glory will come out to me. 
So there's always a reason for the situation that you're in. No situation that you're in does not have a reason. It always has an outcome for which why God placed you in that. It's interesting to know that Penina mocked Hannah, not because she was loved more by the husband, but because of what she didn't have. That's when the Holy Spirit ministered to me, church, and told me this. He says that sometimes we tend to look at the scripture from the perspective of how disadvantaged Hannah was and the pain and the duress that she was under. That's rightfully so. But have you ever considered that maybe the attack wasn't just on Hannah, but the attack was because of what Hannah was carrying? Church, listen to me tonight. What God is doing through you is that many times God places you in situations. Now, I need you to understand this, that the situations that you are in, whether if it's school situation, education, it's business, it's work situation, relationship situation, whatever it is, God sometimes places us in those positions so that we can understand that out of those situations, he will get the glory and not just the glory, but there is something on the inside that he also wants to birth out. You see, God is a God that is of the next. And if God is of the next, that means the devil always is always about the next. That's why when the devil has a choice between a 40-year-old man and a 25-year-old boy, he's going for the 25-year-old boy to harass. Because he knows that the 25-year-old boy has more life in him. The devil is always after the next. Why do you think that as generations keep going from generation to generation, our problems keep getting worse and worse and worse with the younger generation? When I was in high school, the things that I was going through in high school, my brothers are not going through in high school. They're going through that and worse. It's because the devil also understands that if God is interested in what is about to happen, he also must be interested in the next move that is about to happen. So you'll be placed in situations not just so that there's an attack on you, but the attack is also on what you are carrying. The struggle that you're going through may actually be as a result of the assignment of those connected to you. Is it possible that everything you're going through is for what's inside of you? I want you to think about that. Is it possible that everything you're going through is because of what is inside of you? If somebody looked at this scripture, Pastor David, from the face value, what they would say and what they would look at, what they would see is a woman who is being battered and being destroyed and she's barren and she has nothing going for her. And in those times, if you didn't have children, it was such a, it was such a wrong thing in society and people would look at you like, is there something wrong with you? And I can only understand if I put myself in the shoes of what am I thinking? What are people saying about me? You're good for nothing. You can't, nothing good can come out of you. I can only imagine the mental stress that she's being placed under because she cannot produce something. But yet, can you imagine that out of all of that, the battle wasn't because of her, the battle was because of Samuel. You are in a struggle and in a battle that is not even yours. You are in a struggle and a battle because of what is about to be produced through you. Who am I talking to tonight? Understand this word. And we are entering into a season right now where the devil is going around more so than any time in the year. Because the enemy is looking for sacrifice of blood. 
You'll begin to hear people begin to die off here and this person dies off here. What Do you think it's a coincidence that towards the end of the year people begin to die? No. It's not a coincidence. It's because the enemy wants to kill off so that there is no next. Because the enemy knows that if you are to live, you will produce something. You are crushed, but it's on purpose. You are, being, you are being harassed, but it's on purpose. There is a purpose for your state. There is a purpose for where you are in life. I'm trying to tell you something, church, tonight. That Hannah went to Shiloh, and she began to cry. But I can only imagine the tears that were coming through, and her voice that was gone. And it wasn't just because of her, but it was because Samuel had a purpose. He was a prophet. There was a purpose on the life of what you're carrying. There are lives that are connected to. Because without Samuel, then there was without Eli, then you wouldn't have David who was anointed. There was a lineage and from David comes Jesus, the lion, the tribe of Judah, and the son of David. So even the Savior that we love, if you date back in his lineage, you'll see that there was somebody who was crying. Because they thought a battle was theirs. But they were battling for what was to be produced through them. I want you to tap somebody beside you and say, what you're going through is not even for you. <laughs> you see, when we begin to look at life through those lenses, then the battle that's before us we understand that weeping tarries in the night, but joy comes in the morning. You see, when oil is being produced, and you want to produce olive oil, the only way to produce olive oil is that it must be crushed. When you want to produce fermented juice, the only way to do that is that grapes must be Anything that you want to happen in your life has to go through a process of being pressured. I look at my life, church, and, and tonight really I feel like pouring out of my spirit and my heart because I feel that there's so many people in our generation that are going through great difficulties and they don't know how to channel their energies because they feel as though the battle that's before them is for them. And they don't understand that they are fighting for what is to be produced through them. So we begin to battle, but the battle is misplaced. We're fighting and we're angry because God has placed us in a season of darkness. How many people come to me? Pastor Kof, my season is dark. God is not speaking to me. Things are going wrong. My educational life is messed up. I can't find a job. I have no husband, Pastor. Sometimes I get that. Pastor, I don't know which, which, there's so many options of women to choose as a Jesus. Pastor, like dad preached last week, if you are a sheep, you are to hear God's voice. Pastor, which decision, which way do I go? What do I do? Only if you understood that you can't make a decision, you can't make a mistake. You can't just choose how you feel because there's purpose on the inside of you to be birthed. And if you don't link up to the right person, if you don't link up to the right individual, the purpose on the inside won't reach its full potential. Oh, somebody help me preach here. Just give God glory. There, there's no, you can't, 
You, you can't just begin to make decisions by feelings. We, we, don't, we don't make decisions based on how we feel. Uh, today I'm feeling like this, so let's do this. And tomorrow I'm feeling like that, so let's do that. You see, Hannah understood something. She understood that there was a purpose for what is on the inside of her. There's some battles that you will be placed in that you know is not natural. Oh, you're not, you're not here tonight. Are y'all here tonight? Are you here tonight? There's some battles that you'll be placed in you know is not natural. This thing is a supernatural battle. So Hannah understood that. You know, anybody that was placed in Hannah's position would say this, would say, oh, well, if God has closed my womb, he's closed my womb. No. I mean, if he's closed my womb, then it is what it is. But Hannah understood something. She said, I will not let this natural thing be a natural thing. I understand that there was a supernatural force involved. And God closed my womb. God, not the devil. God closed my womb. Why? Because God wanted to push me to a place of prayer. Oh, God. He wanted to push me to a place of prayer. A place where I would seek him. Because if God gave you everything you wanted, why would you need him? Oh, am I talking facts here? If, if God gave you every little thing that you wanted from him, why would you need God? He would have no purpose in your life. So God purposely closed the womb. Oh my he purposely closed the womb of Hannah and purposely put Hannah in a position where people would laugh at her so that she can build up some mental fortitude to be able to say, yet though people come up against me and they, they, they malign me and they speak against me, I serve a God who never fails. I serve a God who's always on time. I serve a God who always answers because he doesn't sleep nor slumber. It forced her in a position where she had no choice but to build her faith to say in Shiloh. And if you know anything about Shiloh, you understand that Shiloh was a place where people would go and they would vacation. They would have fun. They would eat. They would chill in a place where friends and family and people were hanging out like it's Thanksgiving. Can you imagine we just had Thanksgiving and, you, you know, you go to your family house and your cousin is somewhere upstairs and she's praying through the night crying. And she's crying so much and she's lost her voice and, and she's, her, her lips are moving yet there's no sound coming out and you're asking yourself Yo, what the heck is wrong with her like there's turkey why are you not having turkey and she's saying listen the turkey can wait there, there is something there, there is something that I need God to do for me you see you don't understand this sermon unless you've been in a position where you need God to come through for you you see this will seem as though I'm being emotional but you'll know that it's spiritual when you've been in a position where you need God to come through for you For some of you guys in a great place, God bless you. But I'm, I'm here for those who are going through a rough time. I'm here for those who are in the midnight season of their life. I'm here for those who have been placed in a position of darkness and they're saying, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I've been barren for so long. People have looked at me and they said, how come you can't make it? Well, you're supposed to have, you know, the dream job of your life, but yet still you're perching somewhere and you don't have a job yet. And you're supposed to be driving your own car, but you're still on the bus taking Uber sometimes. And you're supposed to be moved on in life, but you're not where you're supposed to be. And you look at yourself and say, God, I've served you why haven't you come through yet God I've put everything in church but you still haven't come through yet I've sowed every seed I can sow I've prayed every prayer I can pray and you still haven't come through for me I have a news for somebody go back to Shiloh and pray until your voice is gone and your mouth is moving let people say you're drunk they don't understand when you need something from God you do whatever it takes 
whatever it takes. Please be seated. In 2015, I tell this story almost everywhere I go. In 2015, God has spoken to me to get closer to him, Sela. He, he spoke to me. He nudged me in my spirit. He said I should get closer to him. And, you know, I just felt that thing on the inside of me like I actually need to get closer to God. But I neglected that voice a little bit, and I started doing my own thing. I was like, ah, you know, I'm young. I can serve God when I'm like 40. They're like 45, uh, 40, 38, that's like a good age. I'll serve God when I'm like 38. You know, a couple kids, kids are like in elementary school. It's a good time to like, you know, maybe you don't understand. It's, it's a good time to like be serious with God. You know what I mean? So let me just do my own thing. And I decided to just, you know, do my own thing and live my life. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I began to have swelling on my leg. So I went into the, the doctor's office, and they said, you have to go into immediate surgery. In fact, the day that the pain came, I actually passed out. And my brother had to carry me. My dad carried me, and we went to the hospital. We went to the emergency. They looked at it. They said, where this swelling is happening, there's no way that we could freeze it with anesthesia and, and, uh, and cut in that area. So we have to just cut you raw. Just cut you raw. So I was like, all right, well, I don't want to be in pain, so do whatever you got to do. So the doctor takes the knife and begins to cut into my skin. And I'm like, at this point, I'm bursting out. I'm, I am in so much pain. This is probably the most pain I've ever felt in my life. And I'm like, this is crazy. I finish the surgery. I go through, you know, all the, you know, post-surgery stuff and once I get healed from that, three weeks later, it resurfaces. I'm like, yo, what is happening? Do you know that that happened 12 times in 2015? 12 times of me going to a surgery, them cutting it, it growing back, them cutting it, them growing. I went, I went to, the, to the hospital so much that the front desk person knew who I was. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, just sit over there, you know. Oh, Ruel, oh, yeah, no worries, no worries. The doctor's going to be here in about five minutes. Just, just, you know, just hold tight. I was in that position for, like, almost 12 times I was in that position. Until one doctor looked at my case one time, and he said, this is not normal. And he said, I want you to come and see me. I want to do a final surgery for you. And we are going to do a major surgery that's going to clear out all the bad bacteria in that area. And you should be healed. So I told myself, all right, you know what? God, I'm tired. I'm tired. You wanted me to get close to you. This is not even about campus rush. This is just about me getting closer to God. I said, God, you want me to get close to you? I've been neglecting it. I'll get close to you. In that time, you know the story. In that time, my dad's spiritual father, Bishop Lai, came. And when he came at that time, I told him, I said, Bishop, they said that I'm going to do a major surgery. And he didn't touch me. He didn't do anything. All he said was, there will be no more surgery. And that was it. You see, sometimes we take for granted the words of those that labor in the word. Can I talk about it? Because if you read down the scripture, I didn't want to read too much. As Hannah was in Shiloh praying, the prophet Eli came. And prophet said, why? Like, what is wrong with you? 
Why are you even in the tabernacle? Go and rejoice and be merry and have fun, Pastor Over. That's what Eli was saying. She said, sir, I have no child. And he knew what that meant. You see, we read the scriptures not knowing the social context. She was an outcast. He, he, he understood. He said, oh, man, I get, I get why you're here. He even actually said, why would you even bring liquor inside the church? And she said, sir, I'm not drunk. I have a need. Because there's something. I know that what I'm fighting is not for me. It's for Samuel. There's something. There is something on the inside of me. And I can't sleep at night because there is something that must be birthed. And I know I'm not showing yet. But I know that there is something on the inside of me. You don't have to be a woman to relate to this sermon. You don't have to be a mother to relate to this sermon. You just have to be somebody that carries a vision. Somebody that has ever dreamed about something. Somebody who's ever dreamed about going somewhere. Somebody who's ever had a passion for something. Somebody who's ever had a business idea. She said, sir, I'm not, I'm not drunk. I have a need. I have no child. That means I have no succession. I have no next. The same words, in the same way that Bishop Lai came, he said there will be no more surgery. It's the same way the prophet said, go for you shall have a child. It is well with you. Do you know that after that, we don't know anything that happened other than the fact that Samuel was born? That means that there was power in what we declare and decree. There was power in the words that come out. The essence of this night, and I had so much stuff to say, but what I really believe that God has placed on my heart to tell you tonight is don't throw in the towel and don't give up because you think that the battle is too much. Think about what is inside of you, the vision and the purpose. You can't give up because Samuel needs to be born. There is an assignment for Samuel. There's an assignment for what he has to do. And you can't cut off that assignment because you're growing weary in battle. Let's be on our feet, church. said it before, I'm going to say it again. Anybody that God uses, he puts under pressure. You may be called, God will put that calling under pressure. You're talented, God will put that talent under pressure. You're gifted, God will put that gifting under pressure. He will crush you, but it will be on purpose because he knows the glory that's to come out. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 says it like this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not driven to despair. We are, we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. 
we get knocked down, we are not destroyed. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the heartache, the turmoil. For some of you, it's sleepless nights. For some of you, it's lack of vision. For some of you, it's, it's lack of clarity. For some of you, it's an attack on your finance. For some of you, it's an attack on your mind. It's an attack on your education. I'm going to tell you that you are crushed, but it's on purpose. You are going through it, but it's on purpose. I feel the warmth of God's presence. The warmth of it. Would you stretch your hands to heaven? It's interesting because this sermon was for like three people here. And I want you to begin to just pray out to God. Just pray out to him in this moment, church. Ask him to give you the endurance. The endurance. The endurance. The endurance to endure the crushing. Strength 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 to endure. Strength to endure. Strength to endure the crushing. Strength. Strength. Strength to endure. Endure the crushing. Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.